Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. My guest today is LJ Trafford, who has written four books of, of fiction, a series on the year of four emperors, two non-fiction books called How to Survive in Ancient Rome and Sex and Sexuality in Ancient Rome. And this week, we're going to have a, a third annual Christmas special. Our last two has been on the Christmas truths of 1914 and the origin of Christmas, which I highly recommend checking out. This week, we are going to talk about the Roman Christmas called Saturnalia. I hope I said that right. And as always, I start introducing my guests. I mean, how, how did you get into ancient Rome and these festivities? Um, so I first got interested in ancient Rome when I was doing my A-level exams and I was doing um, English literature. Um, because I'm British, they make you do Shakespeare. Um, like by law, I believe, probably. Um, so I had to do two Shakespeare plays as part of my exam, and they were Much Do About Nothing and Antony and Cleopatra. And I was quite a swatty, swatty student. So with Antony and Cleopatra, I read around the subject and I read about the historical people involved. And what I was quite surprised to learn was that Octavius Caesar, who's the kind of baddie in Antony and Cleopatra, the play, turned out to be this good Emperor Augustus. And that kind of set me off on a kind of a mystery as to how those two things could coexist. So I started reading historical fiction um, and then I moved on to the actual sources, onto kind of Suetonius and Tacitus. And I just kept reading and reading and um, decided it'd probably be a good idea if I studied the subject at degree level. Um, so I kind of talked my way onto a degree course um, because I'd neglected to kind of do any history, history exams, right. uh, dropped history age 13. Um, so I, I wrote a kind of supporting statement to various universities, kind of fangirling over Augustus. And um, that got me onto a degree course. And then I spent three very happy years studying ancient Greece and Rome. Mm. And the interest kind of never, never left me. And I eventually got into writing and it took me a while. I started writing many books about ancient Rome that I never finished. Mm. And then I found my kind of subject in the year of the four emperors, the year 69 AD, when nice. there was... A, one emperor after another, which, you know, lends itself yeah. to fiction um, because it's a very dramatic time. So you don't really have to make anything up. Um, you've got your kind of set pieces and your battles and your dramatic moments. Right, yeah. So, uh, so I started off writing fiction and then I got an offer. I got asked to write a book called How to Survive in Ancient Rome, which was a kind of general introduction to Rome for the general reader and covered um, pretty much everything to do with ancient Rome. So all kinds of subjects like kind of religion and the army and shopping and festivals and food and drink. So it was quite a, a general one, um, which I quite enjoyed writing. And I set that in the year 95, um, really just so I could write about the Colosseum. Yeah. Um, 
And then I recently, my most recent book that came out was called Sex and Sexuality in Ancient Rome, which is pretty much as it sounds. It's a book about sex and sexuality in ancient Rome, again, for the kind of general reader, kind of looking at all aspects of that. So, you know, kind of marriage, women's roles, men's roles, everything you can think of. So let's start about the Saturnalia and what this episode is about. So let's start about the origins of Saturnalia. Where, where does it come from? Is it that the Romans usually, the, does it come from Greek tradition or is it an original Roman one? It seems to be an original Roman one. It seems to have started off as a single day. And it's all connected with, the, it's a winter festival. Um, and it begins on the 17th of December and then ended on the 23rd of December, although it came on various lengths. So in kind of Cicero's day, in the kind of late Republic, kind of first century BC, it was seven days. And then when you get to Augustus, he limited it to three days. And then Caligula added an extra day um, for public gaiety, as he said, which is a nice thing to do. Um, But it seems to have been originally a single day, and it was all to do with farming. And it was at the point when you'd finished planting and sowing for the year, and then there was a kind of festival. So it's mentioned by, there's a, a Roman writer, um, Colum, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Cominella, who writes about farming. And he very, um, states very clearly, once you finish plant, you must finish your planting and your sowing before the winter festival. So it's all been connected with agriculture. And the kind of god Saturn is connected with, is the god of seed and sowing, mm. sowing of seed. And S- Saturn in He's um, linked to Kronos, which is a Greek version, but in kind of Roman mythology, Saturn ruled the earth in a kind of golden age. And he was the god that taught man how to cultivate the earth and how to farm. And he was overthrown by his son, Jupiter or Zeus, depending on which, whether you're doing Greek or Roman. He was overthrown by Jupiter and then wandered the world and came to Italy and settled in Rome on the Capitol Hill, which is where the Temple of Saturn was built. Um, so the Temple of Saturn is one of the oldest temples that was standing. It was kind of founded by kind of Rome's last king, a guy with a fabulous name, which is Tarquin Superbus. <laughs> and and it was yeah. And we have we got Livy mentions kind of the public feasting of Saturnalia for the back in the year kind of two seventeen BC or BCE. So it at least goes back that far, possibly further. So it was quite an old an old festival. That had been running for quite some time. So something that's that's quite special about about Saturnalia was that slaves had they kind of switched roles from master to the slaves. So how 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 did this come about? How did this define that maybe we should be nice to the slaves for once? Maybe they should have the upper hands in in this one. Yeah, it's difficult. There's no kind of origin story for that. I mean, with Saturnalia. Although it's mentioned a fair amount of times, we don't actually know all the ins and outs of what happened on what day. We have to kind of piece it together from bips and bobs of sources. Um, so, yeah, it was a day. It was basically one big party with Saturday. It was a time, a time of freedom, um, which may, again, be connected with the farming. You've done your planting for the winter. You can now relax. It was a time of freedom and everything was closed. So all the law courts were closed, all the shops were closed, there was no war, everybody was kind of taking time off and relaxing and letting go. And it was a time of kind of reversed roles. So yes, the slaves were for a single day or a couple of days could be um, treated as the masters. Some of them were waited on by their masters for the day and um, they would draw lots to um, 
decide who would be the Lord of Misrule. And the Lord of Misrule could set all manner of kind of humiliating or embarrassing things for everybody so, else uh, in the house. How to take this, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I hope it doesn't take you back to me when uh, this is over. Should that happen? Or was that like, you're free to go, do whatever you please, and nothing will, will come back to you when this is done? Uh, yeah, it will come back to haunt you. You had to be careful. Yeah. Um, there's the odd line in kind of various Roman sources where a slave oversteps a mark and somebody will comment, oh, what is it, December, is it? It's not December. It's not Saturnalia. So it's a kind of threat mm. that, you know, you have this few days in which you have some kind of leeway. But, yeah, you wouldn't want to overstep the mark. You wouldn't want to take it too far. If you took it too far, <laughs> you know, the master is, you know, the roles are reversed back. You, mm. you know, you've got to be careful. So, what else, what, what, what were they? What, what were they exactly? Like we talked about, they were allowed to take. Shouldn't take this too far, but what, what should they do? Like just be the master of the household, basically. But what roles would that involve in when they when they become the master and the master became in quotes the slave? Um, it seems to be that they got to eat, kind of sitting down for once because slaves always stand up when everybody else is eating so they it was the idea that they could lay down and they could be served for once in their lives um i mean Pliny Pliny the younger um when he mentions when it's saturnalia he gets out the way of his household he has nothing to do with it he's got a very nice kind of um annex room that he goes and retreats to where he can just hear them having fun but he doesn't get involved he just kind of stays out out of the way um so a lot of people just kind of seem to have let people get let them get on with it. I mean, I've got quite a nice quote from Lucy, which kind of describes what kind of Saturnalia was like. I just right. find it. Yeah, he says, he puts it in the voice of the god Saturn. He says, mine is a lim- limited monarchy, you see. To begin with, it only lasts a week. That over, I'm a private person, just a man in the street. Secondly, during my week, the serious is barred, no business allowed, drinking and being drunk, noise and games and dice, appointing of kings and feasting of slaves, singing naked, clapping of tremulous hands. Such are the functions over which I preside. But the great things, wealth and gold and such, Zeus distributes as he will. So it was a time of just just having fun and letting loose. I mean, in terms of kind of slaves overstepping the mark, there's a some quite telling poetry from Marshall who does a whole series of poems on kind of gifts you should give at Saturnalia and one of the gifts he suggests is a whip and he says play supportive state slaves but only play these whips of mine shall be locked up for five days so there's a kind of threat mm-hmm. hanging over there that this is this is very much a temporary thing yeah so so what that is I imagine was mostly for those the rich and the powerful that were the slaves should be the master for the day. But what about the peasant? How what was their Saturday Saturday and they like? Because I imagine that slaves part and what they should become master was mostly for the rich, right? So what what about the peasants and the more poorer farmers? Um yeah, so Saturnalia kind of start it starts with a going to the temple of Saturn. And there's a sacrifice and a ritual. And these are all kind of public events. Oh. So any kind of public, any peasant could attend. And they do have public feasts, um, which people could be invited to. And there's one that we do have an account from the, um, from the poet Statius, who went to one by Emperor Domitian. And he, he mentions about how they're open to everybody. So every, there's a nice line. I'll just find it for you. Sorry, I can't find it, was he? No, that's fine. Don't worry about it. I had some good quotes. 
<laughs> oh, your screen's going up again. Sorry about oh, that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's just no, me screwing. Yeah, he says, um, every order eats here at one table. Women, children, knights, plebs, senate. Freedom has been set, afar- set aside. Have come to feast with us. Not now, whoever rich or poor can boast of dining with our leader. So the, the ordinary citizens of Rome had a chance to go along to these public feasts. And they're quite, they're quite some do. I mean, the one that Statius describes, um, it talks about kind of showering kind of figs and cakes and nuts um, from the sky onto the guests, which you would hope. I mean, nuts are quite hard, so you would hope they wouldn't kind of get them on the head. Um, right. So they were showered with stuff. And they were, you know, the entertainments are kind of typical kind of Roman style. There's kind of Spanish dancing girls. Um, there's the kind of novelty. Romans are very into kind of human novelty acts. So there's kind of um, two women set up to kind of play fight for entertainment and kind of dwarfs as well. And then they let loose some flamingos to kind of fly over the, the guest's head. Um, so they get to, sit, get to enjoy a bit of kind of imperial imperial dining so there's a kind of public feast element of it and the public sacrifices which the populace of Rome could kind of be involved with and be present there to join in Um, but the kind of the 18th and 19th of December seems to be we think kind of over to kind of domestic matters so that would be within your house having your own kind of private feast and your own veneration of the god so that's certainly something that the ordinary person could have done and again, they could, you know, appoint their own lord and misrule within their own household. Mm. So it, it was, it'd be kind of similar. You might not have had slaves to switch roles, but you could still have a kind of lord and misrule for a bit of fun and bossing everybody about. So, so we started about the power and how they, how they would come to the city and, you know, there was a feast for them as well. But there, something that also happened in Saturnalia was that they would get, Given pres- the rich were given presents to the poor. So, how did that, how did that come about, and how what what kind of presents was it? Um, at kind of public banquets, the kind of everybody kind of walks away with a present, a gift. The emperor is showering kind of gifts on his guests. So that was one way it done. And present giving is a very big part of Saturnalia. As I say, Marshall writes a huge amount of poems, kind of like two hundred and thirty different suggestions for presents that you can give people on Saturnalia. And, you know, they range from the kind of very basic to kind of things like a toothpick, um, for example, or an earpick, or, you know, to books. To I mean, say. I use earpick a lot personally, so that would be a lovely gift for me. <laughs> and, they, and they go into things like pillows and, kind of, and then on to more expensive things like kind of tortoiseshell embossed dining tables mm. and... Slaves, you know, um, your own shorthand slave you could give as a gift on Saturnalia and um, snow strainer to, um, to, to make, you know, used to make cool down drinks and make kind of cordials that get shipped down or come by wagon kind of snow from the mountains. There's lots of things connected with snow, a snow decanter, a snow strainer. Um, so present, present was a very big, big part of Saturnalia. You mentioned the emperor gave gifts, but before in the Roman Republic, was it the consul who would give gifts back then, or was was it just the senators in general? I think anybody who wants to kind of curry favour with the populace is going to be handing out gifts because um, they're going to vote for you in your next election. So, I mean, part of being a kind of on the public ladder of kind of Roman roles, public facing roles, is part. They have a whole idea of kind of virtus, which is a whole series of kind of not virtues but kind of things that make up the ideal Roman man and there's you know there's hundreds of these things like and they get connected to emperors you know 
emperors declare themselves that they are clement, that they dispense justice, that they are fair. And one of them is generosity. It's part of being a good Roman male is to be generous and generous to the people. So, yeah, I mean, the Republic, that is, that's your kind of elected officials. And the same elected officials will pay, you know, a ton of money to put on games to entertain the population, you know, again, showing that kind of generosity and also how much money you've got and how wealthy you are that you can do this. Now, this might be a silly question. I don't know if this is a silly question or not, but, you know, like you mentioned that they would put in, they put in games as well. And, you know, so, as you know, famous saying, bread and circus during the Saturnalia, like you know, gladiator games or racing, etc. Did that occur during Saturnalia as well? It's not specifically mentioned, unlike a lot of other Roman festivals where it is mentioned that there are chariot races, that uh, these games are put on. Um, Saturnalia seems to be more about kind of enjoyment in kind of overindulging in drinking and eating well. And um, people wear very colourful clothes. Um, you know, if you think about kind of Roman formal wear, the toga is, is white with stripes, purple stripes, depending on your role. But people are suddenly wearing very colourful kind of gowns and also wearing, um, it's a felt cap, which is a, called the liberty cap, which is what kind of freed slaves can wear to show that they've been freed. And then on Saturnalia, everybody's wearing the liberty cap. So it's all about freedom and drinking and fun rather than games which are... Yeah, fun and, too. I mean, but drinking is more fun, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. And gambling. Gambling is suddenly allowed yeah. in public and slaves are allowed to gamble. So gambling is a large part of Saturnalia. So we talked about Saturday for a briefly bit, but there was a big... That was Saturn as, as the name made be obvious that it's called Saturnalia, so obviously it's for Saturn. But there was some massive, we talked about them going to the temple of Saturn as well, but let's talk a bit more about this celebration for Saturn as well. Yeah, so one of the first things they seem to have done is gone to the temple, and the statue of Saturn that was in the temple of Saturn seems to have had some kind of chains, woolen chains, tied around its feet, um, which I think is probably to denote you know, that Saturn was overthrown by Jupiter and to show that he's been held captive. Um, and one of the first things that happened on Saturnalia was that these wool bindings were loosened to show that the god was now free. Um, and there would be a, a public feast at which the effigy of the god would attend. I mean, you know, statues and temples are huge. So how this was accomplished, I'm not quite sure, but there's some kind of effigy of the god would be present at at the public feasting. So that was all part of venerating Saturn. And there would be animal sacrifices as usual in honour of him as well. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's all about celebrating Saturn and Saturn connected with kind of the end of the kind of planting and the kind of freedom that meant. I mean, was it the same all over the empire or was Saturnalia trying to celebrate it differently in different parts of the Roman Empire? Or was it more or less the same? It's, it's, we don't really have the evidence to show, you know, to any great degree how Saturnalia was kind of celebrated in individual provinces. But for kind of um, kind of Greek Romans writing, it seems to be fairly, fairly similar. Um, but obviously, you know, the stuff that goes on in people's own homes, their own kind of private dinners, their own private feasts and their own voting of the Lord of Misrule. I guess it's all very kind of personal in that sense. It's, uh, much like Christmas, everybody's Christmas is slightly yeah. different. Um, not everybody enjoyed getting drunk. You know, Seneca writes a very famous letter 
to one of his kind of pupils kind of saying you know that he's kind of fed up with all the kind of drunken rousing that goes on in December and kind of gives him lots of advice of you know you don't have to get drunk you can be sober you can be the strong one you can be sober and resist the kind of mob so not everybody was into it and as we said plenty of younger just hid out the way of all the celebrations and and did some work <laughs> you know he didn't want to take part in in that at all that was something that his household got on with and he just stayed out the way so I guess it's it's a very personal festival in a way so that's something else that happened is the, the honor the dead. I'm going to try to say it right here just a second. Parentalia, I believe, is the straw. The, the honor of the dead was something that happened as well yeah. during Saturnalia. So let's talk about Parentalia for a while. Uh, Parentalia actually takes part in February. That's a festival that happens in February, which is but, where it's about. Was it because when I looked up Saturnalia, it came as part of, of the festival? Ah, I, did, I have not come across this. Um, in the kind of research so I've done. I might have been wrong here when I, when I, when I was looking it up or the, where I found it, I might have been wrong about this. Yeah, because Par- Parentalia, as far as I'm aware, was a, a festival that right. was in February, which was about honouring the dead and people would take picnics right. to the tombs just outside. Um, in Rome, you can't bury the dead within the city boundaries. Mm. So outside the city boundaries, you get uh, along the Appian Way would have been hundreds and hundreds of tombs and some of them are still there and they're very some of them are very, extremely ornate um, people take picnics to the tombs of their their relatives and sit and kind of share food with the dead um, so yeah it was about kind of honouring the dead right. and honouring your relatives um, but it's slightly, slightly later than Saturnalia I don't know why it came up in the source that I was looking up for this but for some reason it did though something, something else though I think I hope it's relatable and I'm not going way off here. It's Yule. It was was that a part of Saturnalia or am I getting am I getting way off off my head here? I think yeah, I think you you're getting a bit off. Yeah, yeah. I don't, for some reason that just said the source that came up with it's for some reason mentioned this. So now, let's just talk really quickly because as you know, in three thirty AD Christianity became the Public official religion of the empire, and uh, by Constantine the Great, and later we would have Christmas, and as you know, it would develop into what we have today. So, what part of Christmas has ta- been taken from Saturnalia? What has Christmas taken from that? It's it's interesting actually because when the Roman Empire becomes kind of Christian, Saturnalia actually continues. Hmm. Um, and it gets it's mentioned it's mentioned in um some kind of calendars in the kind of fifth century they're still talking about Saturnalia I think it if I've got the year it's something like four I think it was four five four there's a particular calendar that mentions Saturnalia and says it used to be to celebrate Saturn so it seems to be by that point that it's not about pagan paganism anymore it's not about celebrating Saturn it's been kind of separated out as a festival of, of its own um but the first reference to kind of Christmas happening is in the, I think it's the 350s or something like that, again, in a Christian calendar. So you've got the two are going at the same time. You're still having Saturnalia, it seems, and Christmas. So they're kind of two separate separate things for a long time. And then, as we said, later on, Saturnalia kind of falls out of being a religious festival and just becomes a festival. So 
I think it's always very difficult to say what did they take for Christmas. I mean, holly, the the plant holly, is connected with the god Saturn, and then we connect holly with Christmas. But is that just because it's the time of year that the holly plant grows? And so it's a kind of natural kind of thing. I mean, the gift giving, I guess, is kind of similar. But, you know, maybe other festivals you give gifts as well. Um, I guess the kind of the kind of drinking and fun element of it and the having a big feast sounds very much like Christmas to us. That's what we kind of recognise. But again, these kind of things are kind of standard to all kind of festivals. They're all about kind of celebrating, and especially Roman festivals are all about public feasting and eating. So, yeah, it's kind of, I'm kind of sceptical to say that Christmas steals anything from Saturnalia. I think we look at Saturnalia from our time period and it seems familiar compared to other Roman festivals because other Roman festivals involve horrible things like, you know, kind of dogs being sacrificed or, you know, foxes having blazing torches tied to their tails. Or, you know, if you go to Lupercalia, it's um, naked young men running around the city and whipping young girls to improve their fertility. So they, um, or the Megalesia one in April. Sounds lovely. Yeah, and then oh, it gets worse. The Megalesia one in April is the one that has the kind of dancing eunuchs, the self-castrating eunuchs, mm. um, who beat themselves with pine cones as they walk through the streets. So all those kind of festivals sound really alien to us and quite horrible. Mm, Whereas when we read about Saturnalia, what little evidence we've got, you know, Catullus calls it the best of days. And, you know, we've got this description from Statius of this wonderful banquet that the Emperor Domitian holds. And, you know, the stories of people just walking around the streets in colourful clothes and having fun. And that seems a lot more familiar to us, I think. Although there's animal sacrifices happening all over the place as well, but it feels more familiar. It feels more like one of our Christian festivals. And maybe that's why we've kind of latched onto it as saying, well, oh, it's Christmas because it, of, because it seems familiar. Although, you know, some of the spring festivals, you have similar themes to Easter in about time of renewal and rebirth. But, you know, we don't, we don't associate ourselves with it because it doesn't sound, right. sound like it's something we do. Holiday, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> so but how was the view that people still celebrated Saturnalia during Christmas? Was it kind of thrown upon, or was it kind of did they do both at the same time, or was it I'm either gonna do this or I'm gonna celebrate Christmas? I don't think we have any idea. I think, I mean, all we know the only reason we know that the two kept going is because they get mentioned in a calendar, and that's it. You know, we don't know whether only pagans were celebrating Saturnalia and Christians were celebrating Christmas and never the twain shall meet, or whether both sides were, you know, enjoying both festivals. We just don't know. And I think that's the problem with a lot of Saturnalia. We just, we're kind of piecing it together of what happened from various bits of sources, but we don't really know. We don't really know, you know, the kind of origins of a lot of the Saturnalia stuff or exactly what happened. Um, So, yeah, so it's difficult. It's difficult to say. Um, Maybe, maybe everybody just had a the whole of December as one big party. Maybe we're just two massive festivals, but there's not the evidence to say. Right. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been lo- I hope you enjoyed this Christmas special, the third annual Christmas special. What next year will bring? I don't know. I have some ideas, but let's see. Next year, about next year's Christmas special. This has been Saturnalia, and I hope you enjoyed this episode.
So if before we go, do you thank you so much for coming and do you, where can people find the books about the, the fiction series on the year of the four emperors and the, both non-fiction books called How to Survive in Ancient Rome and Sex and Sexuality in Ancient Rome if they would like to read more of your work? Um, yeah, I mean, they're all available on Amazon and any other kind of good bookshop of any choice. Um, the fiction series starts with the book Palatine which looks at the um, kind of fall of Nero, which is what kicks off the whole four year of the four emperors. And there's kind of three books after that that follow it through. And then, yeah, my two nonfiction works, How to Survive in Ancient Rome and Sex and Sexuality in Ancient Rome. Again, you'll, you'll find them in any, in any good bookshop. <laughs> thank, you. thank you so much for coming on, Marianne. And do you have any social media you might want to add me to add in the description and the links and anything else you want me to add that you would uh, like to share? Yeah, I mean, if you put, um, I'm always welcome for people to follow me on Twitter. It's just at Trafford LJ. Um, and that's, yeah, that's probably a good link, <laughs> good place to find me if anybody wants to find me. Thank you so much for coming on again for third time. Um, this has been about that age as well. We are available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please consider writing a review. That would help us out a lot. Please check out some other episodes. Yeah, and the episodes I think you would like. I'm sure you'll definitely have something for you there. So we are also on Instagram and well that age twelve. Twitter, well that age twelve. That's new, actually. As I know recently, and please, yeah, please like, share, and subscribe. And I'll see you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.